0: chapter 1.2 part 3 of personal narrative of travels to the equinoctial regions of america during the years 1799 to 1804 volume 1 by alexander von humboldt translated by thomasina ross this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter 1.2 part 3 the road which we were obliged to clear for ourselves across the malpais was extremely fatiguing the ascent is steep and the blocks of lava rolled from beneath our feet i can compare this part of the road only to the moraine of the alps or that mass of pebbly stones which we find at the lower extremity of the glaciers at the peak the lava broken into sharp pieces leaves hollows in which we risk falling up to our waists unfortunately the listlessness of our guides contributed to increase the difficulty of this ascent unlike the guides of the valley of Chamouni, or the nimble-footed Quanches, who could it is asserted seize the rabbit or wild goat in its course our canarian guides were models of the phlegmatic they had wished to persuade us on the preceding evening not to go beyond the station of the rocks every ten minutes they sat down to rest themselves and when unobserved they threw away the specimens of obsidian and pumice stone which we had carefully collected we discovered at length that none of them had ever visited the summit of the volcano after three hours walking we reached at the extremity of the malpais a small plain called la rambleta from the centre of which the piton or sugar-loaf takes its rise on the side toward orotava the mountain resembles those pyramids with steps that are seen at feun and in mexico for the elevated plains of retama and rambleta form two tiers the first of which is four times higher than the second if we suppose the total height of the peak to be 1904 toises the rambletta is 1820 toises above the level of the sea here are found those spiracles which are called by the natives the nostrils of the peak parenthesis narices del pico close watery and heated vapors issue at intervals from several crevices in the ground and the thermometer rose to 43.2 degrees m. labillardière had found the temperature of these vapors eight years before us 53.7 degrees a difference which does not perhaps prove so much a diminution of activity in the volcano as a local change in the heating of its internal surface the vapors have no smell and seem to be pure water a short time before the great eruption of mount vesuvius in 1805 m. Lussac and myself had observed that water under the form of vapour in the interior of the crater did not redden paper which had been dipped in syrup of violets i cannot however admit the bold hypothesis according to which the nostrils of the peak are to be considered as the vents of an immense apparatus of distillation the lower part of which is situated below the level of the sea since the time when volcanoes have been carefully studied and the love of the marvellous has been less apparent in works on geology well-founded doubts have been raised, respecting these direct and constant communications between the waters of the sea and the focus of the volcanic fire. Note. This question has been examined with much sagacity by M. Brislac in his, quote, Introduzione alla Geologia, quote, Tome 2, pages 302, 323, 347. Cotopaxi and Popocatepetl which i saw ejecting smoke and ashes in 1804 are farther from both the pacific and the gulf of the antilles than grenoble is from the mediterranean and orleans from the atlantic we must not consider the fact as merely accidental that we have not yet discovered an active volcano more than forty leagues distant from the ocean but i consider the hypothesis that the waters of the sea are absorbed distilled and decomposed by volcanoes as very doubtful End of note we may find a very simple explanation of a phenomenon that has in it nothing very surprising. The peak is covered with snow during part of the year. We ourselves found it so in the plain of Rambleta. Messrs. O'Donnell and Armstrong discovered in 1806 a very abundant spring in the Malpays, a hundred toises above the cavern of ice, which is perhaps fed partly by this snow. Everything, consequently, leads us to presume that the peak of Tenerife, like the volcanoes of the Andes and those of the island of Manila contains within itself great cavities which are filled with atmospheric water owing merely to filtration the aqueous vapours exhaled by the narices and crevices of the crater are only those same waters heated by the interior surfaces down which they flow we had yet to scale the steepest part of the mountain the piton which forms the summit the slope of this small cone covered with volcanic ashes and fragments of pumice-stone is so steep that it would have been almost impossible to reach the top had we not ascended an old current of lava the debris of which have resisted the ravages of time these debris form a wall of scorious rock which stretches into the midst of the loose ashes we ascended the piton by grasping these half-decomposed scoria which often broke in our hands we employed nearly half an hour to scale a hill, the perpendicular height of which is scarcely 90 toises. Vesuvius, three times lower than the peak of Tenerife, is terminated by a cone of ashes, almost three times higher, but with a more accessible and easy slope. Of all the volcanoes which I have visited, that of Jorullo, in Mexico, is the only one that is more difficult to climb than the peak, because the whole mountain is covered with loose ashes. When the sugar-loaf, is covered with snow, as it is in the beginning of winter. The steepness of its declivity may be very dangerous to the traveller. M. Le Gros showed us the place where Captain Baudin was nearly killed when he visited the peak of Tenerife. That officer had the courage to undertake, in company with the naturalists Advenier, Mauger, and Riedel, an excursion to the top of the volcano about the end of December 1797. Having reached half the height of the cone, he fell, and rolled down as far as the small plain of rambletta happily a heap of lava covered with snow hindered him from rolling farther with accelerated velocity i have been told that in switzerland a traveller was suffocated by rolling down the declivity of the col de balme over the compact turf of the alps when we gained the summit of the piton we were surprised to find scarcely room enough to seat ourselves conveniently we were stopped by a small circular wall of porphyritic lava with a base of pitch-stone which concealed from us the view of the crater note, called la caldera or the cauldron of the peak a denomination which recalls to mind the Oule of the pyrenees End of note. the west wind blew with such violence that we could scarcely stand it was eight in the morning and we suffered severely from the cold though the thermometer kept a little above freezing point for a long time we had been accustomed to a very high temperature and the dry wind increased the feeling of cold because it carried off every moment the small atmosphere of warm and humid air which was formed around us from the effect of cutaneous perspiration the brink of the crater of the peak bears no resemblance to those of most of the other volcanoes which i have visited for instance the craters of Vesuvius, jorullo and pichincha in these the piton preserves its conic figure to the very summit the whole of their declivity is inclined the same number of degrees, and uniformly covered with a layer of pumice stone, very minutely divided. When we reach the top of these volcanoes, nothing obstructs the view of the bottom of the crater. The peaks of Tenerife and Cotopaxi, on the contrary, are of very different construction. At their summit, a circular wall surrounds the crater, which wall, at a distance, has the appearance of a small cylinder placed on a truncated cone. On Cotopaxi, this peculiar construction is visible to the naked eye at more than two thousand toises distance, and no person has ever reached the crater of that volcano. On the peak of Tenerife, the wall which surrounds the crater like a parapet is so high that it would be impossible to reach the caldera if on the eastern side there was not a breach which seems to have been the effect of a flowing of very old lava. We descended through this breach toward the bottom of the funnel the figure of which is elliptical its greater axis has the direction from northwest to southeast, nearly north thirty-five degrees west the greatest breadth of the mouth appeared to us to be three hundred feet the smallest two hundred feet which numbers agree very nearly with the measurement of Messrs. verquin varela and borda it is easy to conceive that the size of a crater does not depend solely on the height and mass of the mountain of which it forms the principal air-vent this opening is indeed seldom in direct ratio with the intensity of the volcanic fire or with the activity of the volcano at vesuvius which is but a hill compared with the peak of teneriffe the diameter of the crater is five times greater when we reflect that very lofty volcanoes throw out less matter from their summits than from lateral openings we should be led to think that the lower the volcanoes their force and activity being the same the more considerable ought to be their craters in fact there are immense volcanoes in the andes which have but very small openings and we might establish as a geological principle that the most colossal mountains have craters of little extent at the summits if the cordilleras did not present many instances to the contrary note the great volcanoes of cotopaxi and rucupichincha have craters the diameters of which, according to my measurements, exceed four hundred and seven hundred toises. I shall have occasion, in the progress of this work, to cite a number of facts which will throw some light on what may be called the external structure of volcanoes. This structure is as varied as the volcanic phenomena themselves, and in order to raise ourselves to geological conceptions worthy of the greatness of nature we must set aside the idea that all volcanoes are formed after the model of Vesuvius, Stromboli, and Etna. The external edges of the caldera are almost perpendicular. Their appearance is somewhat like the Soma, seen from the Atrio di Cavalli. We descended to the bottom of the crater, on a train of broken lava, from the eastern breach of the enclosure. The heat was perceptible only in a few crevices, which gave vent to aqueous vapours with a peculiar buzzing noise some of these funnels or crevices are on the outside of the enclosure on the external brink of the parapet that surrounds the crater we plunged the thermometer into them and saw it rise rapidly to sixty-eight and seventy-five degrees it no doubt indicated a higher temperature but we could not observe the instrument till we had drawn it up lest we should burn our hands m cordier found several crevices the heat of which was that of boiling water it might be thought that these vapours which are emitted in gusts Contain muriatic or sulphurous acid, but when condensed, they have no particular taste, and experiments which have been made with reagents prove that the chimneys of the peak exhale only pure water. This phenomenon, analogous to that which I observed in the crater of Horlullo, deserves the more attention, as muriatic acid abounds in the greater part of volcanoes, and as M Vauquelin has discovered it even in the porphyritic lavas of Soursuis in Auvergne i sketched on the spot a view of the interior edge of the crater as it presented itself in the descent by the eastern break nothing is more striking than the manner in which these strata of lava are piled on one another exhibiting the sinuosities of the calcareous rock of the higher alps these enormous ledges sometimes horizontal sometimes inclined and undulating are indicative of the ancient fluidity of the whole mass and of the combination of several deranging causes which have determined the direction of each flow the top of the circular wall exhibits those curious ramifications which we find in coke the northern edge is most elevated toward the southwest, the enclosure is considerably sunk and an enormous mass of scorious lava seems glued to the extremity of the brink on the west the rock is perforated and a large opening gives a view of the horizon of the sea the force of the elastic vapours perhaps formed this natural aperture at the time of some inundation of lava thrown out from the crater the inside of this funnel indicates a volcano which for thousands of years has vomited no fire but from its sides this conclusion is not founded on the absence of great openings which might be expected in the bottom of the caldera those whose experience is founded on personal observation know that several volcanoes in the intervals of an eruption appear filled up and almost extinguished but that in these same mountains the crater of the volcano exhibits layers of scoria rough sonorous and shining we observe hillocks and intumescences caused by the action of the elastic vapours cones of broken scoria and ashes which cover the funnels none of these phenomena characterize the crater of the peak of teneriffe its bottom is not in the state which ensues at the close of an eruption from the lapse of time and the action of the vapours the inside walls are detached and have covered the basin with great blocks of lithoid lavas the bottom of the caldera is reached without danger in a volcano the activity of which is principally directed toward the summit such as vesuvius the depth of the crater varies before and after each eruption but at the peak of Tenerife, the depth appears to have remained unchanged for a long time eden in seventeen fifteen estimated it at one hundred and fifteen feet Cordier in eighteen o three at one hundred and ten feet judging by mere inspection i should have thought the funnel of still less depth its present state is that of a solfatara, and it is rather an object of curious investigation than of imposing aspect the majesty of the site consists in its elevation above the level of the sea in the profound solitude of these lofty regions and in the immense space over which the eye ranges from the summit of the mountain. The wall of compact lava forming the enclosure of the caldera is snow-white at its surface. The same colour prevails in the inside of the sulfatara of Puzzuoli. When we break these lavas, which might be taken at some distance for calcareous stone, we find in them a blackish-brown nucleus. Porphyry, with basis of pitchstone, is whitened externally, by the slow action of the vapours of sulphurous acid gas these vapours rise in abundance and what is rather remarkable through crevices which seem to have no communication with the apertures that emit aqueous vapours we may be convinced of the presence of the sulphurous acid by examining the fine crystals of sulphur which are everywhere found in the crevices of the lava this acid combined with the water with which the soil is impregnated is transformed into sulphuric acid by contact with the oxygen of the atmosphere in general the humidity in the crater of the peak is more to be feared than the heat and they who seat themselves for a while on the ground find their clothes corroded the porphyritic lavas are affected by the action of the sulphuric acid the alumine magnesia soda and metallic oxides gradually disappear and often nothing remains but the silex which unites in mammillary plates like opal these siliceous concretions opal artiger the siliceous gur of the volcanoes of the isle of france contains according to klaproth zero point seven two silex and zero point two one water and thus comes near to opal which karsten considers as a hydrated silex end of note, which m cordier first made known are similar to those found in the isle of Ischia, in the extinguished volcanoes of Santa Fiora, and in the solfatara of Puzzuoli. It is not easy to form an idea of the origin of these incrustations. The aqueous vapours discharged through great spiracles do not contain alkali in solution, like the waters of the geyser in Iceland. Perhaps the soda contained in the lavas of the peak acts an important part in the formation of these deposits of silex. There may exist in the crater small crevices, the vapours of which are not of the same nature as those on which travellers, whose attention has been directed simultaneously to a great number of objects, have made experiments. Seated on the northern brink of the crater, I dug a hole of some inches in depth, and the thermometer placed in this hole rose rapidly to forty-two degrees. Hence we may conclude what must be the heat of this sulfatara at the depth of thirty or forty fathoms. The sulphur reduced into vapour is condensed into fine crystals, which, however, are not equal in size to those M. Dolomieux brought from Sicily. They are semi-diaphanous octahedrons, very brilliant on the surface, and of conchoidal fracture. These masses, which will one day perhaps be objects of commerce, are constantly bedewed with sulphurous acid. I had the imprudence to wrap up a few in order to preserve them, but I soon discovered that the acid had consumed not only the paper which contained them but a part also of my mineralogical journal. The heat of the vapours which issue from the crevices of the caldera is not sufficiently great to combine the sulphur, while in a state of minute division, with the oxygen of the atmospheric air. And after the experiment I have just cited on the temperature of the soil, we may presume that the sulphurous acid is formed at a certain depth in cavities to which the external air has free access Note, an observer in general very accurate m breislac asserts that the muriatic acid always predominates in the vapours of vesuvius this assertion is contrary to what m gay-lussac and myself observed before the great eruption of 1805 and while a lava was issuing from the crater the smell of the sulphurous acid so easy to distinguish was perceptible at a great distance and when the volcano throughout scoria the smell was mingled with that of petroleum. End of note. The vapours of heated water, which act on the fragments of lava scattered about on the caldera, reduce certain parts of it to a state of paste. On examining, after I had reached America, those earthy and friable masses, I found crystals of sulphate of alumine. Messrs. Davy and Gay-Lussac have already made the ingenious remark that two bodies highly inflammable the metals of soda and potash, have probably an important part in the action of a volcano. Now, the potash necessary to the formation of alum is found not only in feldspar, mica, pumice-stone, and augite, but also in obsidian. This last substance is very common at Tenerife, where it forms the basis of the tephritic lava. These analogies between the peak of Tenerife and the solfatara of Putsuoli might no doubt be shown to be more numerous, if the former were more accessible and had been frequently visited by naturalists an expedition to the summit of the volcano of tenerife is interesting not solely on account of the great number of phenomena which are objects of scientific research it has still greater attractions from the picturesque beauties which it lays open to those who are feeling alive to the majesty of nature it is a difficult task to describe the sensations which are the most forcible inasmuch as they have something undefined produced by the immensity of the space, as well as by the vastness, the novelty, and the multitude of the objects amidst which we find ourselves transported. When a traveller attempts to describe the loftiest summits of the globe, the cataracts of the great rivers, the tortuous valleys of the Andes, he incurs the danger of fatiguing his readers by the monotonous expression of his admiration. It appears to me more conformable to the plan I have proposed to myself in this narrative to indicate the peculiar character that distinguishes each zone we exhibit with more clearness the physiognomy of the landscape in proportion as we endeavour to sketch its individual features to compare them with each other and to discover by this kind of analysis the sources of the enjoyments furnished by the great picture of nature travellers have learned by experience that views from the summits of very lofty mountains are neither so beautiful picturesque nor so varied as those from heights which do not exceed that of vesuvius rigi and the puy de dome colossal mountains such as Chimborazo, Antisana, or mount rosa compose so large a mass that the plains covered with rich vegetation are seen only in the immensity of distance and a blue and vapoury tint is uniformly spread over the landscape the peak of Tenerife, from its slender form and local position unites the advantages of less lofty summits with those peculiar to very great heights we not only discern from its top a vast expanse of sea but we perceive also the forests of teneriffe and the inhabited parts of the coast in a proximity calculated to produce the most beautiful contrasts of form and colour we might say that the volcano overwhelms with its mass the little island which serves as its base and it shoots up from the bosom of the waters to a height three times loftier than the region where the clouds float in summer. If its crater, half-extinguished for ages past, shot forth flakes of fire, like that of Stromboli in the Aeolian Islands, the peak of Tenerife, like a lighthouse, would serve to guide the mariner in a circuit of more than 260 leagues. When we were seated on the external edge of the crater, we turned our eyes toward the northwest, where the coasts are studded with villages and hamlets. At our feet, masses of vapour constantly drifted by the winds afforded us the most variable spectacle a uniform stratum of clouds similar to that already described and which separated us from the lower regions of the island had been pierced in several places by the effects of the small currents of air which the earth heated by the sun began to send towards us the port of orotava its vessels at anchor the gardens and the vineyards encircling the town showed themselves through an opening which seemed to enlarge every instant from the summit of these solitary regions our eyes wandered over an inhabited world we enjoyed the striking contrast between the bare sides of the peak its steep declivities covered with scoria its elevated plains destitute of vegetation and the smiling aspect of the cultured country beneath we beheld the plants divided by zones as the temperature of the atmosphere diminished with the elevation of the site below the piton Lichens begin to cover the scorious and lustrous lava. A violet, note, Viola chiranthifolia end of note, akin to the Viola decumbens, rises on the slope of the volcano at 1,740 toises of height. It takes the lead, not only of the other herbaceous plants, but even of the Gramina, which, in the Alps and on the ridge of the Cordilleras, form close neighbourhood with the plants of the family of the Cryptogamia. Tufts of retama, loaded with flowers, adorn the valleys hollowed out by the torrents, and encumbered with the effect of the lateral eruptions. Below the retama lies the region of ferns, bordered by the tract of the arborescent heaths. Forests of laurel, ramnus, and arbutus divide the ericas from the rising grounds, planted with vines and fruit-trees. A rich carpet of verdure extends from the plain of Spartium and the zone of the alpine plants, even to the groups of the date-tree and the musa at the feet of which the ocean appears to roll i here pass slightly over the principal features of this botanical chart as i shall enter hereafter into some further details respecting the geography of the plants of the island of teneriffe see below End of note. the seeming proximity in which from the summit of the peak we behold the hamlets the vineyards and the gardens on the coast is increased by the prodigious transparency of the atmosphere notwithstanding the great distance we could distinguish not only the houses the sails of the vessels and the trunks of the trees but we could discern the vivid colouring of the vegetation of the plants these phenomena are owing not only to the height of the site but to the peculiar modifications of the air in warm climates in every zone an object placed on the level with the sea and viewed in a horizontal direction appears less luminous than when seen from the top of a mountain where vapours arrive after passing through strata of air of decreasing density differences equally striking are produced by the influence of climate the surface of a lake or large river is less resplendent when seen at an equal distance than from the top of the higher alps of switzerland than when we view it from the summit of the cordilleras of peru or of mexico in proportion as the air is pure and serene the solution of the vapours becomes more complete and the light loses less in its passage when from the shores of the pacific we ascend the elevated plain of quito or that of antisana we are struck for some days by the nearness at which we imagine we see objects which are equally seven or eight leagues distant the peak of taida has not the advantage of being situated in the equinoctial region but the dryness of the columns of air which rise perpetually above the neighbouring plains of africa and which the eastern winds convey with rapidity gives to the atmosphere of the canary islands a transparency which not only surpasses that of the air of naples and sicily but perhaps exceeds the purity of the sky of quito and peru this transparency may be regarded as one of the chief causes of the beauty of landscape scenery in the torrid zone it heightens the splendour of the vegetable colouring and contributes to the magical effect of its harmonies and contrasts if the mass of light which circulates about objects fatigues the external senses during a part of the day the inhabitant of the southern climates has his compensation in moral enjoyment a lucid clearness in the conceptions and a serenity of mind correspond with the transparency of the surrounding atmosphere we feel these impressions without going beyond the boundaries of europe i appeal to travellers who have visited countries rendered famous by the great creations of the imagination and of art the favoured climes of italy and greece we prolonged in vain our stay on the summit of the peak awaiting the moment when we might enjoy the view of the whole of the archipelago of the fortunate islands we however descried palma gomera and the great canary at our feet Note, of all the small islands of the canaries the rock of the east is the only one which cannot be seen even in fine weather from the top of the peak its distance is three degrees five minutes while that of the salvage is only two degrees one minute the island of madeira distant four degrees twenty nine minutes would be visible if its mountains were more than three thousand toises high end of note the mountains of lancerota free from vapours at sunrise were soon enveloped in thick clouds supposing only an ordinary refraction the eye takes in in calm weather from the summit of the volcano a surface of the globe of five thousand seven hundred square leagues equal to a fourth of the superficies of Spain. The question has often been agitated whether it be possible to perceive the coast of Africa from the top of this colossal pyramid, but the nearest parts of that coast are still farther from Tenerife than 2 degrees 49 minutes, or 56 leagues. The visible ray of the horizon from the peak being 1 degree 57 minutes. Cape Bojador can be seen only on the supposition of its height being two hundred toises above the level of the ocean. We are ignorant of the height of the Black Mountains, near Cape Bojador, as well as of the peak called by navigators the Peñón Grande, farther to the south of this promontory. If the summit of the volcano of Tenerife were more accessible, we should observe without doubt, in certain states of the wind, the effects of an extraordinary refraction. On perusing, what spanish and portuguese authors relate respecting the existence of the fabulous isle of san porodon or Antillia, we find that it is particularly the humid wind from the west southwest which produces in these latitudes the phenomena of the mirage we shall not however admit with m Vieira quote, that the play of the terrestrial refractions may render visible to the inhabitants of the canaries the islands of cape Verde and even the appalachian mountains of america note the american fruits frequently thrown by the sea on the coasts of the islands of ferro and gomera were formerly supposed to emanate from the plants of the island of san borodon this island said to be governed by an archbishop and six bishops and which father fioja believed to be the image of the island of ferro reflected on a fog-bank was seeded in the sixteenth century by the king of portugal to Louis perdigon at the time the latter was preparing to take possession of it by conquest End of note. the cold we felt on the top of the peak was very considerable for the season the centigrade thermometer at a distance from the ground and from the apertures that emitted the hot vapours fell in the shade to two point seven degrees the wind was west and consequently opposite to that which brings to Tenerife during a great part of the year the warm air that floats above the burning desert of africa as the temperature of the atmosphere observed at the port of orotava by m savaghi was twenty two point eight degrees the decrement of caloric was one degree every ninety four toises. this result perfectly corresponds with those obtained by lamanon and saussure on the summits of the peak and etna though in very different seasons the tall slender form of these mountains facilitates the means of comparing the temperature of two strata of the atmosphere which are nearly in the same perpendicular plane and in this point of view the observations made in an excursion to the volcano of teneriffe resemble those of an ascent in a balloon we must nevertheless remark that the ocean on account of its transparency and evaporation reflects less caloric than the plains into the upper regions of the air and also that summits which are surrounded by the sea are colder in summer than mountains which rise from a continent. But this circumstance has very little influence on the decrement of atmospheric heat, the temperature of the low regions being equally diminished by the proximity of the ocean. It is not the same with respect to the influence exercised by the direction of the wind, and the rapidity of the ascending current. The latter sometimes increases, in an astonishing manner, the temperature of the loftiest mountains. I have seen the thermometer rise, on the slope of the volcano of Antisana, in the kingdom of Quito, to 19 degrees, when we were at 2,837 toises high. Monsieur Labillardier has seen it, on the edge of the crater of the peak of Tenerife, at 18.7 degrees, though he had used every possible precaution to avoid the effect of accidental causes. On the summit of the peak we beheld with admiration the azure colour of the sky. Its intensity at the zenith, appeared to correspond to 41 degrees of the cyanometer. We know, by Saussure's experiment, that this intensity increases with the rarity of the air, and that the same instrument, marked at the same period, 39 degrees at the Priory of Chamonix, and 40 degrees at the top of Mont Blanc. This last mountain is 540 toises higher than the volcano of Tenerife, and if, notwithstanding this difference, the sky is observed there to be of a less deep blue, we must attribute this phenomenon to the dryness of the african air and the proximity of the torrid zone we collected on the brink of the crater some air which we meant to analyse on our voyage to america the file remained so well corked that on opening it ten days after the water rushed in with impetuosity several experiments made by means of nitrous gas in the narrow tube of fontana's udiometer seemed to prove that the air of the crater contained 0.09 degrees less oxygen than the air of the sea but i have little confidence in this result obtained by means which we now consider as very inexact the crater of the peak has so little depth and the air is renewed with so much facility that it is scarcely probable the quantity of azote is greater there than on the coasts we know also from the experiments of Messrs gay-lussac and theodore de saussure that in the highest as well as in the lowest regions of the atmosphere, the air equally contains 0.21 of oxygen. Note during the stay of M. Gay-Lussac and myself at the hospice of Montseny in March 1805, we collected air in the midst of a cloud loaded with electricity. This air analyzed in Volta's udiometer contained no hydrogen and its purity did not differ 0.002 of oxygen from the air of Paris, which we had carried with us in phials hermetically sealed. End of note. We saw on the summit of the peak no trace of Sora, Lecidia, or other cryptogamous plants. No insect fluttered in the air. We found, however, a few Hymenoptera adhering to masses of sulphur, moistened with sulphurous acid, and lining the mouths of the funnels these are bees which appear to have been attracted by the flowers of the spartium nubigenum, and which oblique currents of air had carried up to these high regions like the butterflies found by m ramond at the top of mont perdu the butterflies perished from cold while the bees on the peak were scorched on imprudently approaching the crevices where they came in search of warmth notwithstanding the heat we felt in our feet on the edge of the crater the cone of ashes remains covered with snow during several months in winter it is probable that under the cap of snow considerable hollows are found like those existing under the glaciers of switzerland the temperature of which is constantly less elevated than that of the soil on which they repose the cold and violent wind which blew from the time of sunrise induced us to seek shelter at the foot of the Piton. our hands and faces were nearly frozen while our boots were burnt by the soil on which we walked we descended in the space of a few minutes the sugar-loaf which we had scaled with so much toil and this rapidity was in part involuntary for we often rolled down on the ashes it was with regret that we quitted this solitude this domain where nature reigns in all her majesty we consoled ourselves with the hope of once again visiting the canary islands but this like many other plans we then formed has never been executed we traversed the malpais but slowly for the foot finds no sure foundation on the loose blocks of lava. Nearer the station of the rocks, the descent becomes extremely difficult. The compact, short-swarded turf is so slippery that we were obliged to incline our bodies continually backward, in order to avoid falling. In the sandy plain of Ritama, the thermometer rose to 22.5 degrees, and this heat seemed to us suffocating in comparison with the cold which we had suffered from the air on the summit of the volcano. We were absolutely without water. Our guides, not satisfied with drinking clandestinely the little supply of Malmsey wine, for which we were indebted to Don Colligan's kindness, had broken our water-jars. Happily, the bottle which contained the air of the crater escaped unhurt. We at length enjoyed the refreshing breeze of the beautiful region of the arborescent Erica and Fern, and we were enveloped in a thick bed of clouds, stationary at six hundred toises above the plain clouds having dispersed we remarked a phenomenon which afterwards became familiar to us on the declivities of the cordilleras small currents of air chase trains of cloud with unequal velocity and in opposite directions they bore the appearance of streamlets of water in rapid motion and flowing in all directions amidst a great mass of stagnant water the causes of this partial motion of the clouds are probably very various we may suppose them to arise from some impulsion at a great distance from the slight inequalities of the soil which reflects in a greater or less degree the radiant heat from a difference of temperature kept by some chemical action or perhaps from a strong electric charge of the vesicular vapours end of chapter one point two part three